All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, joined by my guest, Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. He's the host of the Falcoholic Live. And today we're going to be recapping the Falcons week 12 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, talking about the highs, the lows, and much, much more from this game. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans. Contributing weekly content over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And today we have a preeminent guest that is none other than Kevin Knight, a frequent guest here on the podcast. You can hear... Kevin, every week after the Falcons game, doing the Falcoholic live podcast, giving those hot takes and and rapid reactions Sunday, as well as live on Wednesday evenings, as he is often joined by his Falcoholic cohorts, as well as often a a frequent, you know, high caliber guest, certainly high caliber guest that you typically uh, don't (laughs) find here on the Locked On uh, Falcons podcast. I'm not going to hold it against Kevin uh, uh, for that, for getting better uh, quality guests here. But we have a quality guest here on today's Locked On Falcons. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. That was a tremendous intro. Uh, Also, you know, I haven't I, I haven't had a chance to watch this, you know, video version of this uh so yeah, i like the little video intros the pr- production quality is very nice so i feel like i gotta step my game up over live at falcolog live now <laughs> okay. so. it's a it's a, an arms race here on uh, yep, youtube yep. to to produce the the best video quality here on the podcast and we'll do our best to produce the best video quality by talking about this week 12 win over the jacksonville jaguars we'll talk a little bit about whether or not we should be impressed by the Falcons' performance in this game, we'll talk about Cordero Patterson. We'll talk about some of the young guys stepping up. We'll get Kevin's thoughts on his expectations for this Falcon coming off of this win, going into next week against a much tougher opponent in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get into all of that, guys, I want to thank everyone for making Lockdown Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And of course, now, as Kevin indicated, uh, on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons YouTube page. Make sure you leave a like. Uh, make sure you leave a comment. All that sort of stuff. So, Kevin, now that we can talk about this game, um, what was sort of your biggest takeaway from this win over the Jaguars? I think a lot of people had expectations that the Falcons would win this game, although, you know, the the way that they've played the last couple of weeks, it wasn't necessarily a guarantee. Um, but uh, sort of what were your big takeaways coming out of this game? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, it was about what I expected. Uh, I think someone tweeted at me and late in the game worried that the, the Falcons were going to quote full Falcon. And I was like, well, I think maybe they're just going to moderate Falcon. And I feel like that's what happened. Like they, you know, they almost let the team, you know, back into it, let them have a chance to tie, but uh, they didn't, you know, they, it actually, they shut down the drive pretty early on. It wasn't really that close. Um, and I feel like the Falcons were, were pretty much the better team throughout the game. Obviously the Jaguars shot themselves in the foot, but that's, pretty much what the Jaguars are week to week. So it's not like all of a sudden they were committing turnovers this week. and That's never happened before. No, they do that all the time. That's kind of their, their thing. Um, you know, the Falcons, I don't think played 
an exceptional game, but I think they played a, what's probably a like overall good game for them. And um, with where the talent level is on the team, I think a good game for them is probably going to beat bad teams, but it's probably not going to beat good teams. And, um, you know, the game doesn't really move the needle for me, I guess, in terms of this team. I think this was a game I expected them to win, and they, they won in the manner that I expected them to win in. So kind of uh, fairly neutral on it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure we'll get into more of the offense and the defense and the specifics, but, um, you know, defense good, offense meh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I guess my follow-up question was, you know, you talked about the Jaguars shooting themselves in the foot. Did this feel like a game that the Falcons legitimately won, or does this feel like, you know, on that sort of scale, that balance, that spectrum, it felt like a game where the Jaguars kind of lost it? I mean, I feel like the Falcons look like the better team throughout. So, like, while the while the Jaguars did make a lot of mistakes, uh, I do think the Falcons won. Um, I, I think they were, like I said, sort of the better team, you know, throughout the game in both phases. Um, and they had their own share of mistakes, but uh, I feel like it was a legitimate win, you know, and not like just a seven turnover game where, you know, all hell breaks loose or anything like that. So the Jaguars are a bad team. Uh, they're also low on talent. Uh, and I think this is a pretty typical sort of performance for the Falcons when they're playing a team that is lacking talent uh, that's coached probably a lot worse than they are. <laughs> um, they should beat these teams. Um, and, you know, it'd be nice for them to do it in more convincing fashion. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, this is this is sort of where we are. They're going to win close games against bad teams. And they're probably going to get blown off the turf by really good teams. So, <laughs> okay. uh Five and six somehow, uh, you know. <laughs> there you go. So um, we will continue today's Locked on Falcons podcast with Kevin Knight here. Get his thoughts on Cordero Patterson's big day, as well as some of the young players that got some extended looks like Drew Dahlman and Darren Hall uh, and see what he thinks of those players uh, and whether or not those players are bound for bigger and better things this season. But in life, we are bound for different things with beachbound.com vacations you can be bound for adventure bound for passion bound for discovery or bound for togetherness bound for immersion bound for rejuvenation or maybe you're bound for encountering the unexpected personally when i go to a beach resort i'm going to whine and dine myself whether that be poolside or in the sands looking at the ocean as long as i've got a good view and a good drink in my hand i'll be happy as a clam With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Head to Beachbound.com today to figure it out. So let's talk about Cordero Patterson, the star of the day, career high in rushing yards, career high in rushing touchdowns with 108 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Also added some value in the passing game uh, with the 120 plus yard play that the Falcons had through the air on a nice little uh, hitch route that he was able to do Cordero Patterson things and make a defender miss. You know, he's just owning these cornerbacks whenever they get into a one-on-one open field tackling situation. So I I guess, you know, he was clearly the best thing on the field uh, with this team on Sunday. And clearly when we saw them last play, uh, where he was out of the lineup against the Patriots on Thursday night last week. Uh, this team really was lacking on offense. I- is he the best thing about this offense and has been the season? And do we expect that to continue this year? Yeah, I mean, he's been an absolute revelation. Um, you love it for him. 
as a guy who's always been a very good player, uh, sort of got pigeonholed into this returner role, which, to be fair, he's maybe the best kick returner in the NFL for most of his career. Um, but no one ever really found ways to use him effectively on offense. You know, they tried at receiver, I think basically his rookie year in, in Minnesota, uh, was his like peak as a receiver, and it just kind of never went anywhere. Then we saw him sort of bounce around as like a you know sort of spark plug running back for the Patriots, uh, then for the Bears for two years. Um, you know, wasn't really used well in Chicago. So I think when we had you know Dave Ragone come over here from Chicago, and then Cordero Patterson also came over, we were like, oh, is he going to actually you know is he just going to use Patterson the same way as he did there? Um, it seems like maybe that was Matt Nagy's fault and not Dave Ragone because they are not using him at all like they used him in Chicago. Um, and, you know, he's the best runner they have. Um, and I think that's partially just a part, partly because he just seems to thrive in chaos a lot more than the other running backs, which makes sense since he's a returner. Um, but his emergence as just this really great, I mean, straight up receiver too, um, you know, his his work along the sideline on that play you mentioned. I mean, his sideline footwork to stay in bounds. I mean, it's it's art. Like, it's just he knows exactly where the sideline is. He knows how to control his body there. Um, he can make those contested catches. He can he can defeat cornerbacks in one-on-one. I mean, there's – so calling him a running back even, it seems like disingenuous because he lines up a wide receiver and, and toasts cornerbacks. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope this continues. I hope this continues for a while in Atlanta um, because – with the state of their weapons right now, they can't afford to lose anyone. And, you know, having Coral Patterson out was clearly that that just caused the offense to entirely collapse. Uh, so I, I, he's definitely been the best thing about the offense. He's definitely been the most fun thing about the offense as well. Just um, they need him to create a spark when they don't really have a lot of other spark creators on offense, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. And, um, you know, I was going to try to segue speaking of sparks, but I don't know if that segue uh, fits, <laughs> but uh, let's just segue into some of the young players. We got to see Drew Dolman rotating with uh, Matt Hennessy in this game. Hennessy still out snapped him. I believe, you know, had a, around 40 snaps and Dolman had around 20 something snaps uh, when I checked the snap counts on Monday morning. And we also saw Darren Hall, uh, a player that basically split the, Nickel snaps in terms of slot corner snaps with Richie Grant. I think Richie Grant had like 26 and Darren Hall had 23. Why I can remember exactly that number and, and not how many offensive center snaps uh, those guys had, I can't tell you. But um, what were your thoughts on seeing those guys? Because as I said on yesterday's episode, if you had asked me in May or June, I would have said, oh, Drew Dolman's going to be the starting center over Matt Hennessy. Darren Hall is going to be the starting nickel corner over Isaiah Oliver. Obviously, those things did not come true <laughs> at all. But it, it did seem like in their most extended opportunities that we've seen in the regular season, they handled themselves reasonably well. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on those guys' performances? And is, is this sort of a turning point for them? Is this an experiment? What, what do you think is why we have waited this long or, or whatever the case may be for these guys to get some opportunities. Yeah, I think it's, you know, with Dahlman, um, I think they wanted to have him add weight. You know, coming out of college, he was in the 290s. Um, it's really hard to play in, in the NFL in the 290s as an offensive lineman. Uh, 
it's it's some schemes can make it work. It's just it's tough. Um, you know, you've seen guys like Garrett Bradbury for the Vikings, just this elite zone blocking college center, played at two ninety, uh, really struggled uh, when he got into the NFL and kind of immediately started at that weight. So I can't say for sure. Dalman looks like he's bulked up a bit, you know, probably closer to three hundred, which those ten pounds make a big difference. Um and I thought he handled himself quite well. Uh he was definitely a more reliable run blocker than Hennessy. Uh, maybe the, the difficulty with, with charting their snaps is because the 61 and the 67 actually look really similar and that, that's, you know, a problem. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of tough. Uh, it's like, wait, is that 60? No, wait, it's 61. Uh, yeah, okay. Falcons yeah, uniforms so, aren't helping us. Yeah. Bad job with, the, with numbers. those numbers, Falcons. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought, um, Drew Dalman looked good. Um, Matt Hennessy also didn't have as bad of a game. He definitely had a shaky start to this one, <clears throat> which I think led to people assuming he was getting pulled. Uh, and, and they seem to have planned to make those rotations, I guess. Um, but I guess I would say that I, it wouldn't shock me if they do want to go to Dalman um, long term because of the unfortunate truth that you know Matt Hennessy was not their draft pick. Um, he was not the guy that this regime chose, um, and they chose Drew Dalman. So I think both of them are going to have you know a long term future with the team. They're both on rookie contracts. Matt Hennessy, even if you don't think he's a plus starter, which I think he hasn't shown himself to be that at this point, having two guys that can play center at a solid starting level, valuable. Um, so they're going to at least have good depth there. But it would be nice if one of these guys could shake out to a like above average center at least um, so you don't have to necessarily go hunting for that next offseason because they're going to have a lot of hunting to do next offseason for a lot of positions. So anyone that you can sort of – check off or, or even sort of be like, we're okay here. That would be a good start. Um, and then Darren Hall uh, and Richie Grant too. I mean, they were kind of playing the same position. Both I think had really uh, impressive splash plays against the run. They were sent on blitzes. They were blowing up some screen plays. Um, they seemed, you know, aggressive and fast. And um, I think, you know, with, with Hall, it's the same thing with Richie Grant. This, this coaching staff seems, um, to really want to give rookies a lot of time to learn the defense before throwing them in. Um, it seems to be a very conscious decision because we really didn't seem, except for Avery Williams, who was sort of forced into it uh, because of um, injury. They, they're going to let these guys grow uh, before throwing them in. Um, and it seems like, you know, maybe that's going to pay off with, with Darren Hall. Um, obviously everyone's hoping that it's going to pay off with Richie Grant. Um, right now he's playing mostly the nickel spot, but eventually, you know, assumed to take over one of the safety spots. So, um, I thought it was good. Uh, you know, Michael Walker was another guy. He had more of a shaky overall outing, but I mean, I think he showed some things and, and showed, you know, some not nice things, but I mean, honestly, this linebacking core, I mean, it's with all of them, it's going to be the kind of that story. Like, it's not like Foyer plays it. Per- Foyer had a really good game, but, um, you know, those Foyer and Dion are going to have those head-scratching plays, and they're going to have those those splash plays. That's just kind of the nature of linebacker. Like, when you're when you're making 10 to 15 tackle attempts a game, you're going to miss one, usually. So, so um, yeah. yeah. I, I guess my follow-up is, you know, you, you mentioned some of the young players like Grant and Hall and Dahlman and Walker, et, et cetera. Um, do we sort of expect we you know we've seen Tacon Graham get more active these last couple of games after going basically a, a month without being active or whatever it was? Do you feel like this coaching staff is now 
feeling comfortable with these young guys uh, to to play them, or is this going to be a situation where it's like just hey, this was the one game we thought this was a, a good opportunity to get these guys some snaps. Um, maybe you could argue against an inferior opponent where it may not be as detrimental, and they're going to go back to, to playing some of these veterans over the next couple of weeks. You know, does, is this a turning point uh, as far as these young guys? Is it wait and see mode? What where are you at with you know some of these young guys getting more opportunities moving forward? It's hard to say because you make a good point about this being maybe a game you circle. It's like, we should get some young guys in for this because <laughs> you're expecting, like, it's the Jaguars. I think we can handle it. Um, and, I, I mean, I hope it's more of a long-term change because I think you and I both have sort of always known that, you know, maybe nine wins was sort of the ceiling for this team and, like, real deep playoff run not really in the question, in the in the cards um, so like, I want to see the young guys. I want to see them get reps because we need to know what we have for 2022, at least to an extent, because there's a lot of tough decisions to make this upcoming off season. There will be more cap space, but still not a lot. And, you know, they have two second round picks. Maybe they'll get some additional picks through some trades or whatever, but they've got a lot of holes to fill and not a lot of resources to do it. So we need to know if these 2021 draft picks are going to be able to fill any of those holes. And the best way to do that is to let them play and see how they look. So uh, I hope it's I hope it's a, a change going forward that we, we give some more reps to the young players. Because, uh, you know, no offense to Chris Williamson, but um, I think I've seen enough. Yeah. <laughs> Shots fired, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we will continue today's um, conversation here with Kevin Knight. Uh, talking about you know whether or not what we saw from the run game uh, against Jacksonville is something that we can expect moving forward from this team, or is it a one-off, it's Jacksonville, et cetera, as well as get Kevin's thoughts on sort of what he expects from this team next week against Tampa Bay, against a superior opponent, as many people would put it, and whether or not we'll see this team, quote-unquote, rise up uh, to, to the occasion and be a little bit more competitive than we've seen the last couple of weeks against some so-called superior opponents. But before we get there, guys, I do want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Uh, Of course, I always have recommendations for what should be your second listen. And of course, if you're a fan of Atlanta or Georgia sports, of course, we got you covered there on the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find Locked On Braves, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Bulldogs. All are available on audio platforms such as Odyssey, Apple, Google, and Spotify. And Locked On Braves and Locked On Bulldogs are also available on YouTube as well. So make sure you subscribe to those shows. So as we continue forward on today's Lockdown Falcons, we know that we're entering the home stretch of this Falcon season, but we're entering the home stretch of the NFL as well as college football seasons as well. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for everything football. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag. Sign up today and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use that promo code LOCKEDON. And, you know, heading into this weekend's uh, action in week 13, the Falcons are back to being big underdogs, 10 point uh, by uh, the Bucks being 10 point favorites in this week 13 matchup. And we'll see whether or not the Falcons can rise up to the occasion. But whether you want to put money on that game or another game, BetOnline is, of course, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to college and pro hoops. NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the available offers at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
So as we close today's Locked On Falcons episode here with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic, uh, we saw, you know, we talked about Cordero Patterson, you know, being very productive on the ground on Sunday against this Jaguars team. Is the running game finally coming together? We've spent years talking about whether or not the Falcons defense is going to come together, but is the running game, maybe is this a sign of things to come? Obviously, it's going to be a bigger challenge going up against a box front Um next week. Um, but can we expect more games like this where the Falcons running game is going to work? And I think you and I probably share the opinion that if the Falcons can run the football, you know, I've been critical of Arthur Smith being a little bit too conservative with his play calling, but it does seem like if they can run the football, you're not going to, you know, that conservative play calling is going to be much more effective uh, with that. So where do you sort of see this Falcons running game moving forward? Is this kind of a one-off or is, are we sort of in wait and see mode? Yeah, it's, um, it's tough to say. Uh, This was definitely the the best by far the run game has looked the most consistent. And even then it was still fairly spotty, but I think, you know, this game is probably sort of the ceiling for what the run game is. Um, But if this is what you, if this is, you know, what you can do, that's not bad, not bad at all. So, um, and you mentioned it, like the run game is a core part of what Arthur Smith wants to do on offense. And, um, you know, I do believe he's calling a more conservative version of this offense because he doesn't trust the pass protection and he doesn't, you know, they don't, they don't have the weapons to really get a lot of payoff on deep passing for the most part. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's rough. Uh, and it's like, you, you, I think there are things that, you know, you mentioned it on your show, uh, run to the right, for instance, you know, <laughs> there are things I think he could be doing better, but I, it's so hard to actually get, I think, a fair evaluation this year. And, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm still in wait and see mode with, with this coaching staff, but um, I don't know if the run game will be carrying over this week. Uh, probably not. But then again, the Jaguars were a, actually a pretty good run defense on a per carry basis. I think they were allowing under four yards per carry Falcons, I think, clocked in with like over five in this game. So um, that's pretty good, obviously. Um, but the Bucks, I, I don't think they're going to have much success there against the Bucks. And, you know, part of that is that the Bucks are probably going to drop 30 plus on the Falcons. So I think running the ball is not going to be an option for most of the game. Um, but after this week, you know, who knows? Um, I, I think that it's it should get better. Um, I think that they have the personnel to be better at run blocking. Um, but as you know, and a lot of fans know, run blocking is, is a lot of chemistry and timing and it takes, it takes time to get these, get that chemistry involved. And this is a brand new starting five, uh, with a lot of moving pieces and, you know, maybe they're going to be moving Dalman in so that could throw off the whole chemistry of the line. Who knows? But, um, you know, I think that, I think expecting the run game to improve incrementally over the season is, is likely, uh, but we'll see if it improves meaningfully this week. I doubt it. But going forward, I think, yes, we should see some small improvements um, because they were like 31st in the league. So maybe we could get to like 20 for 22nd or 20th or something by the time the season's over, you know, but uh, not going to be a drastic change, but hopefully a positive one. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. This week is probably not a good bet to see significant improvement or it to maintain. Um, but they, they have some games coming up after this box game where you, as you mentioned, you're not expecting Carolina or Detroit or uh, New Orleans and who else do they play? San Francisco 
to come out and, and drop a 30 burger in the first half against them. So that they should be able to, at least if they're going to be committed to the run as they've shown so far this year, uh, it, it shouldn't get out of hand for them. So we'll see how they kind of perform in, in those games uh, coming up. But, um, you know, talking about this Bucks team, do you feel like there's anything that we saw in this Jaguars game where you're like, okay, well, you know, going up against this Bucks team that they were, you know, they got off to a slow start in that week two game. They got back into it in the second half. Then the fourth quarter just was an absolute disaster. <laughs> um, but we've seen this team be competitive you know, for a large chunk of that week two game, we saw them competitive um, in the two games that they showed last year, particularly in the home game at Mercedes Benz Stadium, where this team, for some reason, just cannot do anything right. Um, yep. But, you know, they, they got off in that week 15 game at home to like a 24 to 7 lead midway through the third quarter before the Falcons falconed, uh, as they will, you know, will do. Um, but. Like, do you expect this team to be competitive again against this Bucks team? You know, it's a divisional game. Typically, these games are going to be close, even when you have such a talent disparity that the Bucks have now and did a year ago against the Falcons. What are your expectations going into Week 13? I think it could go one of two ways. It could go sort of like the first game where it is close. Um, and, you know, the Bucks have been vulnerable this year. Like, there's no, there's no getting around that. Like, they lost to Washington a team that the Falcons probably should have beat. Um, they've they've not been perfect, so they're they're a team that is susceptible to to bad games here and there. Um, but they're also a team that if they're humming, they're going to drop fifty points on the Falcons and leave them in the dust. So, you know, my expectation is the Bucks are going to score a lot, and it'll and it's sort of up to the Falcons to keep up and. Um, that did not work at all against Dallas, who also had a very vulnerable defense. Obviously, the Bucks are down many, many starting corners, perhaps all the starting corners. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's bad news in the secondary for the Bucks. Still, their pass rush has not been nearly as good as it has been in years past. Um, so there's a there's the potential that the Falcons can move the ball against this team. They certainly did in Week Two, but. Um, you know, it's 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 just really hard to see this Falcons offense winning a shootout with anyone right now. Um, they don't have Calvin Ridley. The the wide receivers are just even against this depleted secondary. I don't think they're going to be getting open to the extent that they're going to score. You know, thirty points on anybody right now. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I think that there's always the chance that uh, the Bucks sort of have an off day. Uh, the defense steps up. But I, I, I'm. It's going to be either it's going to be close uh, for most of the game, or it's going to be a blowout. I, I feel like so, um, one of the two. <laughs> it's not going to be you know this back and forth affair. It's going to be you know either it's close or it's it's all the way the other direction, um, like the Dallas game. So, <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. The the positive the Falcons have going for them is Russell Gage has his best games against Tampa Bay. He, yes. he you know. If there's one cornerback that we can say Russell Gage owns in this league, it's Sean Murphy Bunting. So he, <laughs> he is healthy and playing for the Bucs again. So maybe that gives the Falcons a chance, right? Yeah, That's what we're yeah. holding a hope on. Oh, they're oh, one healthy oh, corner. So. <laughs> all we're asking for is a competitive game. Don't don't have yeah. us checked out of the game, you know, 
midway through the yeah. second quarter. That's all. That's all. I'm exactly. Yeah, that was a little much a couple weeks ago. So yeah. <laughs> um, so Kevin, I appreciate you joining me talking about this Jags game as well as the upcoming matchup against the Bucks. Go ahead and plug to the listeners that haven't yet checked out Falcoholic Live as well as where they can find your other stuff. Yeah, so we're on YouTube. Uh, it's the Falcoholic Live, I believe. If you type in the Falcoholic Live in YouTube, you'll you'll bring it up. Um, we're also at Falcoholic Live on Twitter. Uh, that show is every Wednesday at eight ten p.m. Eastern time. I believe we're going to have an extra special uh, former Falcon on the show. Uh, special teamer, I believe. Eric, uh, I believe uh, both you and Eric have have talked about him as one of your favorite special teamers. But I, it's not guaranteed yet. So I don't want to, um, you know, necessarily say it, but this week or next week we're going to have not a kicker, not a punter, uh, but a, a core special teams player uh, from from recent history, relatively, so um, 2010s. So I'll, I'll leave it at that, but um, hopefully this Wednesday we'll have him on. Um, but yeah, we also do post-game shows after uh, the games, and uh, you can check out all my writing at thefalcoholic.com, including... Uh, my uh, latest mock draft, which published published last week, uh, was controversial because I took a corner at nine, which is sacrilegious apparently to most people. But you know, three edge guys went before before my pick. What do you want me to do? Just reach on somebody? Come on! What am I, Thomas Dimitrov? <laughs> Kudos to you, Kevin, doing mock drafts uh, in November. Uh, well, this is in- like a somewhat normal time for mock drafts, <laughs> like for like actual draft nuts. But you know, I just like October, like last year, that was a little much. But. I just, <laughs> I just like the the amount of passion that people have for how dare you select yes. this player. Now, granted, you know when when you put Jordan Davis in your mock draft a couple of weeks ago, I was like, how dare you? But <laughs> how uh, <laughs> dare you? At least that was at like fourteen or something. So. <laughs> all right, uh, we're all hypocrites, I guess. Uh, is yeah, what I'm yeah. getting at. So uh, appreciate it, Kevin, joining me on today's Lockdown Falcons. And, of course, people, if you don't want to check out the Falcoholic Live, by all means, do so. Uh, if you don't want to check out Lockdown Braves or Lockdown Hawks or Lockdown Bulldogs, always have another second listen that you can check out. And that's, of course, the Lockdown Bets podcast. If you're trying to make a little bit of money so that you can have some spending money uh, this Christmas, this holiday season, uh, either to buy gifts or to save after you've bought all the gifts, by all means, check out the Lockdown Bets podcast where handicapping expert Lee Sterling is giving you his daily picks, his blowout specials, as well as his lock of the day. What's going to put a little bit of money in your pocket this holiday season. So, Kevin, I appreciate you for joining me. Uh, of course, we'll be back tomorrow here on Locked on Falcons with a all 22 review. We'll be looking at Drew Dahlman. We'll be looking at the offensive line. We'll be looking at uh, the, the lack of you know guys getting open. And did that lead to Matt Ryan's uh, struggles in this game? We'll be getting into all of that uh, on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Falcons. And if you have any questions that you want to get answered related to the film or not related to the film, of course, you can send those in via Twitter at Locked on Falcons, Facebook, Locked on Falcons, and email addresses Locked on Falcons at mail.com, as well as you can leave a comment here on the Locked on Falcons YouTube uh, channel. So appreciate it, guys. Till then.